0: Welcome to the Informed Pregnancy and Parenting Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Elliot Berlin. Today, we're joined by my colleague who I have the honor and privilege of working with at Berlin Wellness Group. She is a doctor of physical therapy specializing in women's health and pelvic floor PT. She earned a bachelor's in human development from the University of California in San Diego and a doctorate of physical therapy from the University of St. Augustine. And she is also a certified pelvic rehabilitation practitioner, APRPC. She's focused her career in women's health since the very beginning and is super passionate about educating and empowering women through her work. Anna McMaster, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: My goodness. Uh, I have so many questions, so <laughs> I'm going to jump right in. Today, I would love to talk a little bit about you because you're fascinating and interesting and do amazing work and pelvic floor PT, so PT in general, and then what's unique and different about pelvic floor as a specialty? What are sure. the trainings like? What kind of things you Evaluate and treat. And then, specifically, towards the third segment, we'll talk about prolapse, which is something that affects a lot of people, especially during their childbirthing years. So, let's start at the beginning. Who are you? Where are you from? How'd you get here?
1: <laughs> well, I'm Anna. I grew up in San Jose, Northern California. NorCal. Uh huh. Yep. My parents still live up there, so I go back pretty frequently but I went to school down in San Diego for both undergrad and graduate school, so I spent about seven years down there.
0: When you went to undergrad, did you know where you were headed?
1: Um, vaguely trying to figure it out, yeah. I, I started off pre-med and pretty much dropped that almost immediately. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, That's how I found the human development field. I kind of liked the mixture of the hard sciences as well as the soft sciences. Mm -hmm. Being able to take an abnormal psychology class as well as your chemistries and biologies and stuff.
0: I like the medium sciences, uh, know. <laughs> a healthy mix of sciences. Exactly. Um, and then when did you think about PT? Was it while you were still an undergraduate or did you take a little break?
1: No, it was during undergraduate. I was, you know, trying to find, if I wasn't going to be a doctor, I had to find out what I was going to be. And I had had some, a lot of PT experience in middle and high school being a jumping athlete i did volleyball and long jump and triple jump oh wow so a lot of knee and ankle issues i did
0: a lot of jumping to conclusions (laughs) (laughs) my mother said
1: (laughs) not quite the same but similar less injuries uh, (laughs) well physically um, so I volunteered at an outpatient ortho PT clinic uh, while I was an undergrad just to kind of see what it was like, what a day was like for them.
0: Did you injure yourself with all the jumping or did you just do like therapies on your body modalities to keep you healthy or both?
1: Oh, I, I feel like I was just constantly injuring myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My knees were always hurting. My ankles, I was always spraining them. Wow. Always wearing a different like knee and or ankle brace combinations.
0: So it was like being 45 in <laughs> high school. Yeah exactly oh. probably not the healthiest but
1: <laughs> um so when i was volunteering i really liked that you could spend a lot of time with the same patient you got to know them you saw them week after week getting better and i thought oh that's pretty cool i think i'll look into that and mm-hmm. the more i looked into it the more i thought like that's for me i think
0: and when you're doing your pt training cuz pelvic floor is a very unique specialty right yeah. so yeah like orthopedic physical therapy, I think is what most people are familiar with. When do you start to look more at the organs of the pelvic floor?
1: Well, uh, I had to actually mostly do that on my own. So in my PT school, and each school is different, we only had one guest lecture about it. It was about oh, really? uh, Yeah, three or four hours. And I would say most of the class sat in like horror. They're like, oh my God, why would anyone want to treat the pelvic floor? And basically me and one other friend, we were both fascinated by it.
0: Was that your first introduction to it?
1: Yeah. I think I had, you know, I had heard about it in PT school. I kind of looked it up and thought that that sounded pretty neat. But when we got that guest lecture, immediately I went up to the lady who gave the lecture and was like, how do I do this? You know, how do I get into this? Um, And she said that they allow students to take the level one pelvic floor course. The rest of them you have to be at How many levels are there? Well there were three levels, four classes that you okay. have to take in order to have taken the whole pelvic floor quote unquote series.
0: For certification. hmm Yep. And then does the pelvic floor work that you do is it different? I wonder if is it different from state to state? In terms of what you're allowed to do, or do all states recognize?
1: All states recognize it. It's a covered thing that all PTs are able to do under their license. Oh. Yeah, it's just most people aren't trained in it, so they're not going to do it.
0: Right, and nor would you want them to. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, now let's talk about the pelvic floor. So, what constitutes the pelvic floor and the pelvic floor musculature and organs? Good question. Thanks. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so the bones of the pelvis form this nice little ring. And on top of it sit all of the pelvic organs and the abdominal organs. And basically the bottom floor of it are a set of muscles that make up the pelvic floor muscles. Um, And they form this nice little bowl or hammock shape. Um, They run from the front of the pelvis to the back of the pelvis, so So like the tailbone.
0: They attach to the front of the tailbone. Mm Mm-hmm. In the back of the pubic bone? Exactly. they're their little hammock. And what's their job?
1: They have lots of jobs. Oh, they're busy. <laughs> so they're they... like me. I'm like a pelvic floor muscle. Exactly. I have lots of jobs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they support the pelvic organs, which we're going to talk a lot about later. Okay. Uh, they help you maintain continence, so keeping pee and poop and everything in when you want it to be in. And then they help you expel waste when you want to expel waste, and they're also... So they can
0: work both ways? They can hold things up, but then also push things down?
1: Exactly. Mm -hmm. Fascinating. And they also help with sexual function as Uh, well.
0: What role do they play there?
1: Well, for example, women who have pain with sex, their pelvic floor muscles are not acting appropriately. They are responding in a painful manner when, in fact, they... Shouldn't be responding in a painful manner.
0: Do men also have pelvic floor muscles?
1: They do. They have all the same muscles. They just don't have a vaginal opening.
0: Right. <laughs> Is vaginally the only way to access the pelvic floor muscles?
1: No. You can get at them rectally as well. But you can also okay. feel them externally without going internally.
0: You can feel them in terms of an assessment, or can you treat them externally?
1: I can, yeah. I have patients who, just for whatever reason, do not want an internal pelvic floor exam. And I say, that's fine. It won't be as comprehensive, but I can put my fingers over their pelvic floor muscles and feel if they are able to contract and relax and do all those same things. Oh,
0: neat. Yeah. And then you keep talking about pelvic floor organs. Where did I make that word up? Pelvic organs. Pelvic organs. (laughs) Which organs in particular are we talking about?
1: So that's the bladder, the uterus, and the rectum. And they all sit really nicely in the pelvic bowl normally, um, supported by the pelvic floor muscles, muscles but also the ligaments. Yep, exactly. The hammock, uh, ligaments and connective tissue as well.
0: Amazing. So when you do your pelvic floor training, I mean, in, in physical therapy, you're, you're doing assessment of muscle function, soft tissue function, joint function. Mm-hmm. So this is no different. It's just that they're more internal, these muscles. Yep, exactly. And a little bit harder to access, I would say, (laughs) typically. Um, But also their functions are a little bit different. This is not skeletal muscle in terms of movement, right? This is more functional with your organs. Right, right. So when you have skeletal muscle, it's my biceps isn't working well, or I have a sciatic issue because my piriformis muscle isn't working right, then it creates musculoskeletal problems for me and pain. Right, but also dysfunction. Sometimes I'll have a hard time walking or moving or leaning or bending, picking something up. So the pelvic floor muscles are not that different in terms of physical therapy, right? So they become dysfunctional in similar ways, but it's not in my leg. Yeah, exactly. It's in your pelvis. (laughs) In my pelvis. So they can also become both uncomfortable, they can create discomfort, but they can also create dysfunction.
1: Yes. They can do both. And, I mean, they're special muscles, but we still treat them the same way pretty much that we would treat, like, your bicep or your piriformis.
0: Yeah, so it just makes a lot of sense that a physical therapist with specialized training would be the person to assess and treat dysfunction on these uh, particular muscle group. Right. Uh, You have, in addition to your physical therapy training the three modules, the three levels, the four classes. You bring other things, other modalities to your work. You're a little bit more holistic. Talk about that a little bit.
1: Yeah, well, after just saying that the pelvic floor muscles are the same as any other muscles, they kind of sometimes require a more holistic treatment plan because there's a lot of emotions and a lot of beliefs held in the pelvic floor as well. Um, It's a delicate and special area to most women. (laughs) And I think I took a yoga teacher training. I'm a yoga instructor. I love teaching my patients mindfulness and sometimes meditation. And I think it just helps put their body and mind in the right space to treat the pelvic floor muscles when you include breath work and quieting the mind. And a lot of pelvic floor PT is brain body connection and visualizing it because mm-hmm. you can't physically see your own pelvic floor contracting and relaxing you have to be tuned into it and feel it yourself and if their mind is in a million places it's hard to focus it's hard to that. focus and feel that
0: yeah. I don't exactly know what you do, your witchcraftery, but (laughs) I do know that we work on a lot of patients together. Uh Um, Certain things come up that I know I can't help with, and um, I recommend that they come see you for an evaluation and treatment. And whatever you do, they come out feeling very different, relaxed, happy, open, in ways that they didn't go in. So...
1: That makes me happy to hear. Yeah,
0: your chemistry. I mean, I get the greatest emails. But, uh, I'll sometimes send like a little question mark, how was your visit with Anna, and I'll get back this whole long thing about how amazing they feel. So. Oh,
1: good.
0: Uh, and you keep talking about women's health, and, and that's your area of focus. That's your passion. That's what you do. Um, I know in general, PT, you also sometimes work on men, but there probably are people who specialize on, on male pelvic health. Yeah. Um, it's just a totally, even though it's the same muscle group, it's just a totally different genre. So that's why we're focusing our efforts on women's health here. Plus, most of our pregnant mm-hmm. audience is women's health as well. Yep. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. I am learning a lot. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with Anna McMaster. <laughs> hey, everyone. It's Dr. Berlin, and I want to talk to you about something that is close to my heart. Literally. Omega-3. It's a crucial nutrient that's sadly overlooked. Don't wait. Visit thisisneeded.com and use code BERLIN to get 20% off your initial order. Experience the needed difference, consciously crafted for your health and the planet. Welcome back to the Informed Pregnancy Podcast. We're talking about pelvic floor physical therapy with Anna McMaster. So, You did a really great job explaining the anatomy. What is the pelvic floor? What are the pelvic organs that uh, it supports? What is the function of these muscles? Let's talk a little bit about some of the issues that come up. What are some of the more common things that you see and work with uh, regarding pelvic floor physical therapy?
1: So I see a lot of urinary incontinence, so leaking pee when you laugh, cough, sneeze, or jump. You can also have pelvic organ prolapse that we're going to talk about later. There can be a urinary urgency, so feeling like you really have to pee all the time, and then associated leakage with that. There could also be fecal incontinence. You could be leaking gas or a leaking stool. On the flip side, you could have trouble having a bowel movement as mm. well. I mentioned sexual function earlier. You could have pain with intercourse. Inability to tolerate any vaginal penetration is um, something that I actually see a lot of. It can happen, you could be born with it, or it can happen postpartum as well, after maybe a traumatic birth, or maybe you had an episiotomy, you have some scar tissue.
0: Is it possible from other types of trauma?
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Is it always physical trauma?
1: It can be physical, it can be emotional trauma. Like I said, it could be idiopathic. Some women are just born that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And um, we're going to talk in detail about prolapse in our third segment, but you can, based on what you're describing for these particular dysfunctions, the signs and symptoms I think are pretty obvious, like you know when you have an issue. It's really interesting though, because sometimes we'll get somebody like make a postpartum appointment... And um, I'll just assume the baby's under a year old. And when they come in, I'll find out the baby's two and a half, three, three and a half years old. But they're coming in for these types of dysfunction, like they're losing pee when they cough or sneeze or just move quickly. And either they thought it was like it happens to everybody or it's totally normal or it would just go away by itself or it's a little embarrassing to talk about. But eventually it'll sometimes become a big enough issue for them that they seek help. And it's incredible how sometimes the right modality could alleviate the issue fairly quickly.
1: Right. And I think that is a challenge today is, well, one, getting someone to talk about it, right, and admit that they have an issue because it is embarrassing. And there has been a thought that, oh, well, I had a baby, so now this is just what it is now. And it's not true.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, a lot of things are like that where they just come up and the assumption is, oh, I'm pregnant, so I have to have this pain or right. I had I a baby, so I have to have this dysfunction. Yeah. And oftentimes it's, uh, it's very treatable. Uh, how common would you say are pelvic floor issues in, in women?
1: Uh, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I think it's like one in four women will have a pelvic floor dysfunction in their lifetime. And that number dramatically rises if you are postpartum and with each subsequent child that you have.
0: Right. And it's also sometimes it's not even the birth. It's just the pregnancy.
1: Right. Well, I mean, you have a growing baby that's literally sitting on top of the pelvic floor. Yeah. Just putting weight on it for 40 weeks.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And on the one hand, it's uh, your body's designed to do that, but... First of all, I think everyone carries a little differently. And and also the way we have our lifestyle is if you look at the other animals, we're not doing what they're doing.
1: No, we're not.
0: (laughs) I do all my hunting and gathering at Ralph's. (laughs) Right. It's different. Um, Walk us through a treatment. So I know that in your first visit, uh, it's a pretty long visit. You like to spend a lot of time with your people. Yeah. I was like, why don't you just cut it down to an hour? You're like, no, I need the full time. I don't want to be rushed. Um, What goes on in that initial assessment?
1: Yeah, so a lot of talking. Uh, I spend a lot of time going through someone's medical history. Um, If they're postpartum, we talk about their pregnancy. We talk about the labor, the delivery, all of that stuff. I want to know everything that's happened. And then what I do is I always start externally, and I'll take a look at their posture. I'll take a look at how their pelvis is aligned. I'll take a look at their pelvic and core stability. Um, I'll also measure their muscle strength, so measuring abdominal strength, hip and glute strength. I'll always check for a diastasis if they're postpartum. What is that? And that's um, it's an abdominal separation. It's where the two six-pack muscles are kind of sitting further apart than they should be. And that's normal in a pregnancy, but what's not normal is when they don't come back together afterwards. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: I must have that. (laughs) (laughs) On our MIA, separate issue. And so that's all external assessment. Are you looking for like where the muscles are too tight or stiff and where they're too weak or stretched out?
1: Yes, both. You look for both. Mm-hmm. Depending on what I find, after the external segment, I'll prescribe some either stretches for muscles that are too tight or exercises for muscles that are too weak. Mm-hmm. And they're usually very targeted exercises. And I like to explain to women, especially postpartum, that you're building the foundation, right? So these are very small movements, very targeted movements, exercises you're going to have to think about but not necessarily be, like, sore from, like, you just had an intense workout.
0: And this is another area where I feel like we work well together because sometimes people come in so stiff, so tight, so locked up, and from various different things. Uh, I do a lot of body work loosening up those very short, stiff, tight, locked up, angry muscles, loosening them up, elongating, making them more fluid and and functional. But then, you know, I'm doing them a disservice if we don't do an evaluation on stability. And if we don't look for where those weaknesses are and give them exercises to strengthen and exercises to keep loosening up where they are too tight In adjunct to what I'm doing with them at home. Then what will happen is, very commonly, one muscle group, either a front versus back muscle group or a right versus left muscle group, will be stronger than its opposing group. And there's no stability. Over time, that stronger muscle just pulls, pulls, pulls. And something eventually gives. Right. So initially, like clearing out all those weeds is how I, I view my job. But then for you to plant seeds and make a strong, stable core, those are the people who can do whatever they want with their bodies
1: yeah. and
0: don't really have pain and dysfunction, episodes of acute attack, things like that. Right.
1: That's the goal. So
0: hashtag teamwork. <laughs> and then... Can you do this while someone is pregnant, during a pregnancy?
1: A pelvic floor exam?
0: Uh, any of the, your whole assessment, oh, external yeah, and Oh, yeah, absolutely.
1: Yep. External, for sure, every pregnant woman. Um, internal, we can do as long as they are past the first trimester and are not a high-risk pregnancy or not on pelvic rest.
0: Okay. Because we didn't really talk about the internal exam, so what, right. how does that go down?
1: Yeah, so another reason why I need so much time during my evals is I explain the pelvic floor anatomy and then I take them through step-by-step what I'm gonna do first and then I do it. Mm -hmm. Um, So in the pelvic floor examination I don't use any like speculums or any scary metal tools like that it's just my one gloved index finger with some lube on it and I basically start superficial and work my way deeper and deeper in checking the pelvic floor muscles. First I check for if there's any prolapse. Then I see if there's any residual scar tissue from a tear or an episiotomy. I'm also looking for muscles that are too tight, high tone, muscles that may be painful to the touch versus weak muscles as well. So I, towards the end, once I'm at the very back, that's where I'm gonna have my patients do four different types of Kegels, basically.
0: Oh, there are different types of Kegels.
1: There are four different types, yes. Uh, One checks for strength, one for endurance, and the last two are about coordination of the muscles. Oh.
0: Uh-huh. When you're talking about deeper and deeper into the pelvic floor muscles, is this still kind of superficial vaginally, or are you getting pretty deep?
1: Well, so we measure it very scientifically. It's by knuckles, basically. So when I'm one knuckle deep, I'm at the first pelvic floor layer of muscles. Mm-hmm. Two knuckles deep is the second. When my finger is all the way inserted in the vaginal canal is where the deepest layers oh, so you're getting yeah
0: pretty deep mm-hmm. i guess it depends on somebody's knuckles though
1: <laughs> that's true it's sort of like a okay, basement
0: dilation measuring too And then for the external muscles that you talked about, when you find where there's weakness or where there's strength, you give them strengthening exercises to strengthen the weak ones and stretching exercises to open up the tight ones.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, How does that work with the pelvic floor muscles, the internal muscles?
1: Yeah, it's very similar, right? Pelvic floor muscles that need strengthening, I'll give them different types of Kegels, but I don't just like to give Kegels by themselves because the pelvic floor also has to be able to work when your body is doing something. So I will often prescribe, for example, like a squat with a Kegel yeah. or like a lunge with a Kegel Oh, so as well. not
0: just while you're watching TV. Exactly. Mm. I
1: mean, you have to do those too, but they also kind of get sprinkled in with other exercises. Mm.
0: I'm sure learning a lot today. And yeah. these are the questions, you know, when I recommend public floor PT, these are the exact questions I get. So hopefully right. the listeners at home, whatever's on your mind, we're addressing them here. Yeah. Um, time is flying. We're going to take another little break, and we will be right back to talk about Prolapse. Welcome back to the Informed Pregnancy Podcast. We're talking pelvic floor PT with Anna McMaster. So we promised that we would talk about prolapse. You mentioned a whole bunch of different conditions. Some of them are more common than others. And I know you'll come back and we'll talk about much more detail about some of those other conditions as well. Because they affect people and they want answers. But today we have time to talk about uh, pelvic organ prolapse. What does that even mean?
1: So like I mentioned earlier, normally the pelvic organs, so the bladder, uterus, and rectum, sit really nicely in that pelvic floor hammock, and they're supported by the muscles and the connective tissue and ligaments. What a prolapse is, is when one of those organs is now sitting lower, and it's kind of bulging into the vaginal canal making it not comfortable and also not very helpful for when you have to go to the bathroom.
0: So just visually, the you have this hammock with those three organs sitting on top of it. Underneath the hammock is the vaginal canal?
1: Vaginal canal kind of sits – it's like a 3D model. So the vaginal canal kind of sits inside the hammock. So if you, like, cut someone's pelvis in half, like, through their nose, down their body, Okay. what you would – Into a right and left half. Yes, right okay. and left half. What you would see is the vaginal canal kind of running, like, up a diagonal through it and the pelvic organs all sitting kind of on top of it. Okay. And so when there's a prolapse, one of the pelvic organs or multiple kind of bulge downward into it.
0: Through the pelvic floor muscle?
1: Through the pelvic floor muscles, yes. And and then push
0: into the space, into into the the vaginal vaginal space. Yes. What would that feel like?
1: To some women, well, the most common symptom is you feel like a heaviness in your vagina or you feel like there's a tampon in there or you're like you're sitting on like a golf ball or something. Mm -hmm. But it can also cause lower abdominal pain or like low back achiness. You can also have difficulty, for example, if your bladder is sitting low, you might have trouble starting the flow of urine. Or on the flip side, if your rectum is prolapsed, you might have difficulty emptying your bowels all the way.
0: Are there degrees of prolapse?
1: Yes. So there are four grades of prolapse. Grade one being it's only sitting like a little bit lower than it should be all the way up to grade four where the organ is physically like outside of your body. That requires surgery. Like
0: literally you can see it?
1: Like literally you can see it. It's like like,
0: your bladder coming through your vagina.
1: Yep. It's like outside in the world. Wow. That's surgery immediately. Everything below that, so grades one, two, and three, is treatable with PT.
0: Oh, really? Mm -hmm. So how do you treat it?
1: So we do, well, a lot of pelvic floor strengthening, right?
0: Um, Is a pelvic floor weakness the cause of it?
1: It can be, uh, but as well as the opposite. If a pelvic floor is too tight, that can also not be helping a prolapse as well, almost for the same reason. It's not functioning appropriately. So if you think about it's supposed to be a nice hammock, if your pelvic floor muscles are too weak, it's like that hammock is dragging on the ground. If Mm. your pelvic floor muscles are too tight, it's almost like they're sitting on a trampoline and it's not a very fun trampoline.
0: Mm, Too high. Yeah. Does the uterus prolapse too?
1: Mm Mm-hmm. It can.
0: All three of them can. Yeah. And do the other organs push into each other in dysfunctional ways?
1: Not really into each other.
0: How about this? Could they have a prolapse of more than one organ at a time? Yes, they can. So you can get a host of symptoms that are, whereas just one set would be uncomfortable, but you can, okay. Yeah. How quickly, that's the question that's everybody a million wants million to know. million dollar question. You know, how quickly is pelvic floor therapy able to help either symptomatically but also structurally? And- you know, is it always able to do the trick, or does it sometimes require other interventions?
1: Right. So prolapse is, I think, one of the trickiest things that I treat because it does take a while. And why it takes a while is because it's not only a muscular strength issue, it's also a connective tissue issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, especially when treating postpartum women, while you are still breastfeeding, your connective tissues and ligaments are still mm-hmm. going to be a little bit lax. lax. So they're unable to support to their fullest extent. So we always have to keep that in mind. And I like to say that pelvic floor muscle strengthening and the rest of the strengthening that we're going to do may help up to that 80, 90 percent. And maybe that last 10 to 20 percent is going to come once you're done breastfeeding and everything kind of stiffens back up to where it normally should be. But that's not with everyone. Sometimes some women will still need a surgery afterwards, or they might need to wear a pessary, which is basically a little space-occupying thing that you wear vaginally that helps support the organs.
0: That's implanted sort of permanently, or just... It's no, just you
1: can take it in and out.
0: Okay. Um, As needed?
1: Yeah, exactly. But there are other options out there. You don't just have to wait for it to get bad enough to need a surgery. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm biased, but I like to start conservatively, give pelvic floor PT a good three to six months run before looking into other options.
0: But over that three to six months, are you expecting to see gradual improvement both in how prolapsed and organized through the pelvic floor and how the symptoms are?
1: Definitely presenting? symptom-wise, yeah. So the goal of PT is not necessarily to decrease the grade of the prolapse. It can happen, but not always. But what we can do is decrease the symptoms of prolapse so that you don't feel that heaviness vaginally or you can go on a run without it feeling all scrapey.
0: So if you have a grade 2 bladder prolapse, then you're saying your goal is not necessarily to lift the bladder back up out of where it shouldn't be pushing into, but to improve function enough so that you're asymptomatic. Exactly. And then is there any danger in just having your bladder still pushing
1: I mean, the danger is that it could become symptomatic again Again. or the grade could worsen. That's where I like to tell women that while they're in their PT treatment, you're kind of in like boot camp. Like you're doing your Kegels every day. You're very aware of how you're lifting stuff. And that's a big part of what I teach is how to properly lift the baby and lift heavy stuff without putting more pressure pressure down. Oh, I see. But for the rest, like after you've graduated from PT, you don't need to keep doing all of your PT exercises religiously every day, but you still need to be aware of it and making sure that you are still lifting stuff appropriately or, you know, avoiding things that could potentially make it worse.
0: How do they treat it surgically?
1: So they can do different things depending on what is prolapsed. Mm-hmm. There's a little like they call it surgical tape. They literally like tape the bladder back up. Or oh,
0: to hold it up.
1: Mm-hmm. They can do a mesh surgery.
0: Uh, like uh, other herniations.
1: Right, exactly. So those are like the surgical routes. Those need to be redone, though, every like 15-ish years. So that's why I like to say conservative first for as long as possible. Right, because if you get a surgery and you're 30, you're going to have to get that redone several more times.
0: Hopefully. (laughs) I mean, just in terms of longevity. Right. Um. Are there things that someone can do, let's say, before pregnancy, during a pregnancy to protect their pelvic floor and try to avoid prolapse?
1: Yes. So one of the biggest things, actually, to avoid erectile specifically is not straining when you are having a bowel movement. Mm -hmm. Um, And that happens a lot, especially when you're pregnant. You get constipated. Right being aware of that, making sure that you are hydrated, fiber, squatty potty (laughs) is one of my favorites.
0: Magical unicorn.
1: Yep, exactly. Unicorn poop. Making sure that your bowel health is well taken care of so that you're not straining. Making sure that you are exhaling when you lift anything heavy. Again, we're just avoiding excess pressure downwards. So a lot of women, when they are exercising or lifting a grocery bag. If it's heavy or if it's something that's hard, we tend to hold our breath. Mm-hmm. And that's no good for the pelvic floor. That increases the pressure in the abdomen and that pressure tends to go down and out towards the pelvic floor. But there's also, you can strengthen your core and pelvic floor muscles during pregnancy and that can help prevent it as well.
0: But is it possible that my pelvic floor is already too strong? I, I, I say me, but I mean, you know, <laughs> not me.
1: I guess there's no such thing as too strong. There could be someone's muscles who are too tight, right? which would be an issue. But,
0: would I, but I wouldn't know that without – somebody wouldn't know that without an evaluation.
1: Not necessarily, no. Right. I mean, there are these, like, fun devices now that you can kind of – The little eggs. Uh-huh. Yeah. But there's also ones that, it. like, attach to apps on your phone.
0: Like oh, with that, Bluetooth. Yeah. Which is great because if you ever need to call somebody from your vagina <laughs> – <laughs> Now you can. Right. Yeah, so
1: there are those things that you can do on your own that I guess could measure for you. Right, so just,
0: I mean, really loosely, you insert them vaginally, and then the app tells you, I think, what to do.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, You know, let's say to do a certain type of Kegel, and it can measure the pressure. Uh
1: Uh-huh, yep. And
0: then give you feedback. Exactly. Right.
1: But, I mean.
0: But at the end of the day, it's an egg.
1: It's an egg, and it can't give you a specific program like i would give
0: you right yeah i mean all those devices everybody's about the hypervolt but it's not yeah. replacing me right
1: <laughs> for the body exactly. work that i do <laughs>
0: um all right well i certainly learned a lot and i hope that i asked the right questions okay. for our audience to learn a lot um it's a really important topic and it's uh, under discussed and i think under trained like oh yeah the fact that your whole physical therapy training had one guest lecture about it is kind of indicative of the fact that we're not training enough an army of people to go out and educate and evaluate and treat and help people in general with their pelvic floors, but especially women and especially during the reproductive health time. Mm -hmm. So I'm grateful to be able to work with you. I'm grateful that you joined us on the podcast to share your wisdom. It was fun. And uh, I'll see you in the morning. All right. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to the Informed Pregnancy Podcast. If you have questions for Anna, just send them to us because we're going to do more topics with her. But any other questions, send an email to info at informedpregnancy.com. Whoa!
1: Doctor, doctor, give me the news I got. Kids!